Hello and welcome back to The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource them towards growth across all areas of their life, personal, professional and spiritual. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, the online courses and resources that are available and The Genius Project Masterclass for Catholic Women. Now you've heard me go on about this over the the last few episodes but we are kicking off a couple of new groups in coming weeks and I'd really love to invite you to be a part of this. The Catholic Women's Masterclass deep dives into four key rhythms of renewal. These rhythms explore how we can live lives of wholeness and balance in Christ. And during times of lockdown and challenging times such as what we are living through at the moment, this is the perfect time for Catholic women to dive into this masterclass. Now, this is a beautiful experience of building community. So it's another upside of being in lockdown is that you can join with a community of like-minded Catholic women to walk through this masterclass. So basically you will get access to the online learning portal where each week you receive video modules teaching you about how to deep dive into these rhythms of renewal. Then once a fortnight, everybody in the masterclass comes on to a strategy group coaching call where we deep dive into the content. Now, it's not enough to just learn about all of these principles. I want you to actually experience real transformation and breakthrough in your life so that it's not this far off distant idea of somewhere that you actually want to be, but that you can actually start to walk into these changes right here, right now, even in the midst of lockdown and the difficulties that we are facing. So one of the key elements of this masterclass is the practical application skills and worksheets that you will work through over every module. So that is taking what you've learned and then putting it into practice in your life. So we are coming to the end of our first masterclass group and the feedback has been truly beautiful, truly transformational. And we are just about to kick off with three new groups. So if you would like to join one of these groups, I would love for you to get in touch. You can send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co or you can go on the masterclass page of the website, which is www.geniusproject.co. One of the modules of the masterclass really deep dive into how we can be temples of the Holy Spirit, how as women we can carry the Trinity within us in our everyday life and how we can encounter Christ in the mundane and the difficulties that we face. One of the modules of the masterclass really takes a deep dive into restoration and how as women we can be restored not only physically but spiritually, emotionally and mentally. And one of the dimensions of how we can experience this restoration really involves how we as Catholic women can develop and cultivate an interior life of prayer, an interior life of stillness and peace in Christ. Now, one of the key elements to this is understanding that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and that God's Spirit actually dwells within us. 
Becoming a saint is not some far off distant idea. It's not just about being some person stuck in a stained glass window. No, being a saint and each one of us is called to sainthood right here, right now, in the day in, day out of everyday living. We are called to encounter Christ right where we are planted. And that includes all of the challenges, the difficulties, the mundane grind of family life or whatever it is we are doing. We are called to encounter Christ where we're planted. And so to help us deep dive into this and to take it one step further, I am bringing you our beautiful podcast episode today with Claire Dwyer. Now, Claire Dwyer published her first book called This Present Paradise, A Spiritual Journey with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Claire both before, during and after the podcast. She really is a kindred spirit. We share so many passions and interests and so I am so excited to introduce her to you. Now, many of our women in our Sisterhood National Catholic Women's Movement worked through Claire's book over Lent as their book study. If you haven't read it, you can get a copy on Amazon and I truly recommend it. It is definitely among my top five books for Catholic women. What I love about St. Elizabeth of the Trinity and Claire's unique unpacking of her life and her message is the way in which Claire explains to us how God has created the human soul to be a special channel of his grace on earth and to help serve as a unique image of his love. What St. Elizabeth of the Trinity did is she prophetically claimed, this is decades before the Second Vatican Council called for her sanctification. But she prophetically claimed that holiness was not exclusively the domain of priests and nuns, but that this call to holiness is for everybody. And Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity is fast becoming one of my favorite saints because what she does is she really helps the busiest, the weariest, and the most distracted of us to create this inner chamber, an interior cloister in our souls where we can withdraw and rest in God's peace and love. And then once we've done that, then go out and take that as a gift to those that we do life with. So sit back, relax and enjoy this interview with Claire Dwyer. Welcome, Claire, to the Genius Podcast. It's such a joy to have you joining us today all the way from Arizona in the USA. Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, well, look, it's a, such a blessing. I, I told a few of the women that I was going to be chatting to you today and they put down some questions to ask you because they've uh, read your book, This Present Paradise, and it was such a blessing for them. Our sisterhood community here in Australia did your book over Lent this year and uh, the Sisterhood National Catholic Women's Movement has connect groups that run fortnightly. And so we all came together on Zooms and in homes where we could meet and we worked through the study. And it was just such a gift. It was so refreshing. So thank you for that, that well, gift to your book. Thank you for saying so. That is just, it's just one of those things I have to pinch myself. And like, really, women in Australia, it just seems so <laughs> exotic and amazing and beyond what I ever could have thought. But God really um, multiplies our efforts, doesn't he? Absolutely. And he does things that we can never expect. As I was yeah. writing the book, we were talking before we started recording about the fact that, yeah. you know, some of us are still experiencing this lockdown and the whole COVID phenomena. And I was writing the book as COVID was hitting the world and rocking really? the world. And kids mm -hmm. were all coming home from school. My deadline 
my deadline um, had just been moved. We pushed it out because I couldn't get it done. And then all my kids came home and I thought, oh my goodness, uh, Lord, you must have a plan because I don't see how this is even going to happen. But it did. And so it's just kind of amazing to hear um, that it's impacting people. Praise God. Oh, it is. It's it's one of the most beautiful books. And I think so for the listeners who haven't read it, they have to read this book. I put it on my top five list of books to read because it what it does is it sometimes we can think, you know, sainthood and being holy and striving for sanctification is kind of this far off ideal. But what you do so beautifully in that book is bring it back to the everyday. So women who are at home with young children or women in the workplace and just how we can bring a little heaven to earth right here, right now, that heaven's not some lofty idea up in the clouds when we die. That, And that's very much the core premise around your book, isn't it? Is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, being created in the image of God. So we carry the spirit within us right here, right now. Yes, it is. A, it's a theme of the book. And it's because that was really a theme of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity's life. Mm. And honestly, as I dove into her writings, I realized it was just this something God had given her to give to the church. Um, just to give a little background, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity was a French Carmelite nun who was born in 1880 and died in 1906. So if you do the math, you realize that she died when she was 26 years old. So very young woman who had been gifted with some extraordinary wisdom in her very short life. And um, one of the things, so I'm a wife and a mom. I have six children, spent the majority of my children's growing up years as a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And um, I had decided after my youngest was born, I went back to take some classes um, at a graduate program, which I just finally finished five and a half years later. Uh, Well done. um, At the Avila Institute. Yes. You know what? One step at a time, right? But I had taken this class called um, the Holy Spirit and the Divine Indwelling. And one of the required readings for the class was a retreat written by this Carmelite nun, blessed at the time, blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, who I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I was reading this retreat that she wrote for class while I was pushing my kids in the swings on the backyard, in the backyard. You know, we moms, we're always multitasking. We never do (laughs) absolutely. So I was reading my homework, pushing my kids on the swing. And I'm looking at this beautiful retreat, which was a series of reflections. And I realized, okay, this is this Carmelite nun in the middle of a cloistered convent writing to her mother at the time had, uh, who had two young children at home. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, this is amazing and beautiful because it's somebody from the heart of the convent distilling the spirituality for a woman at home. Mm -hmm. And she's speaking right to me. She was writing as if it was for me. And Mm -hmm. so then I just read everything I could about her and decided to try to break it open a little bit more for the women that in my life, um, who also had never heard of her. And in the, uh, between deciding to write the book and actually getting it done, uh, shortly after I encountered her, she was canonized in 2016 by Pope Francis. So it just seemed like an anointed time. Um, And I believe that the reason that the church waited 
you know, almost a hundred years, over a hundred years for her um, canonization is because she is a saint for this time. Mm. She is, she's a prophetic voice, not just for women, but I think for everybody in the church for a few reasons. And I'm sure we'll get into that now, but for what you're, what, what you, um, what you were saying that she's calling us out of the chaos of the world and out of the chaos of our lives to rediscover Christ and the Holy Trinity within us yeah, waiting yeah. for us in the silence within. And she's drawing us to a depth of prayer that all of us are beginning to feel the stirring in our soul, that there's more, Mm -hmm. that the Lord is not done with us. And, um, and I think it's the result of years of catechesis and evangelization that the church has been faithful and the Holy spirit has been fruitful. And I really believe it's a new age for the laity. Absolutely. I just think the Holy Spirit is on the brink of something big. And I think she's a patron saint for our times. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And and like you, I had never heard of her myself until I read your book. But she's someone who you just grab a hold of because she gets you. She understands the realities of our day-to-day lives, right? With all the challenges that we face as, as women in the workplace, at home, trying to do the juggle. She gets it. And I think you've done a really beautiful job of connecting her to us in the everyday. There's, there's so many different themes and highlights. My journal is just full of quotes from your book. <laughs> oh, mull, well. I'm mull over. <laughs> well, you know, that really was one of the things that struck me. Now, one of the reasons that St. Elizabeth has this gift of speaking directly into the life of the laity. And she corresponded, I forget exactly the numbers that's in the book, but when she entered the convent, she was allowed to write pretty prolifically because it wasn't long before she became sick, she was dying. And so they allowed her this freedom to correspond quite a bit more than the Carmelite normally would have been allowed to. So we have, that's why we have so many letters of hers and, and, and her writings. But um, she has a gift for writing to the 40, I believe, laity that she corresponded with, contrasted to like maybe eight priests and a few sisters. But um, because she spent several years in the world before she entered, that's one of the main themes of the book is this idea of waiting. Yes. She knew she was called. She had a desire Um, so such a strong desire to become a Carmelite. She knew as a very young girl that this was her vocation and her mother wasn't as excited as she was (laughs) and really reeled her in and said, no, not only can you not enter, you cannot speak to the Carmelites. Don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Her mother was a widow who had lost a lot in her life already and only had two Mm -hmm. daughters and was not, um, willing at the time to allow one of them to really kind of die to the world and enter the Carmelites. So Elizabeth was obedient to her mother and submissive to the will of God, not without a struggle, certainly, Mm -hmm. um, which she admits herself. But in that waiting, she had to surrender that life that she desired for the life that God had for her. Mm -hmm. And she learned that this contemplative life that she longed for she would have to figure out how to live it. And she Mm. did. And so she could say with authority when she became a Carmelite, this is possible. I know it's possible because I lived it 
And it's what the Lord wants for every single one of you. And remember, we're talking about the turn of the century, which is decades before Vatican II would say, no, no, this, there is one way to holiness. The contemplative life is for every person, not just for priests and nuns, which I think now it, we're a little bit more familiar with that idea that doesn't mm -hmm. seem foreign to us. We would agree with it. We've heard it proclaimed yes. and preached, but turn of the century France, that would not be the case. Um, that would not be something you would have heard preached from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So it was quite radical. It really was prophetic. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yes. So tell me, Claire, you've got your own family. And so you were saying your kids were little when you first came across her writings. Is that right? They were littler. Littler. <laughs> How old are you? Yes. Our oldest at, right now is 23, was just married. Okay. Yes. And wow. uh, our youngest is nine. Okay. So this was, I suppose our youngest, Justin, was probably about th three, uh, three or four years old when I first okay. read Elizabeth of the Trinity. Yeah. So you were right in the throngs of those, the sleepless nights and the juggle of life with kids and working and ministry. And so it really spoke to you in that season. It really did. I, um, had just, like I said, had gone back to school online. Yeah. Um, I was working part-time and I was uh, working at my parish, leading a women's group, um, you know, right in the middle of raising kids. And, it, you know, I, I feel like one of the most difficult times of motherhood is when you have the older kids mm. who need you in a very specific way. And you have little children who also need you in a very specific way, often in the very early hours of the morning. And then the older kids seem to not, to not no. be on the schedule. So you are literally stretched yes. to your capacity and you yeah. feel like you just have nothing left so yeah. often. And you just um, feel continuously emptied. Yes. That's how I would probably put that season. Of I, life. I, absolutely. And I think, you know, for myself, for a lot of friends and, and women that I know there, in similar seasons, whether it's because their kids are of the age as they are, whether it's because of lockdown, but people are really stretched at the moment, particularly. So I'm interested, I guess, from writing the book, from studying St. Elizabeth, what is your advice? Like what insights have you got for women in a nutshell in that particular season that you've just described? Because I was talking to um, one of my beautiful friends who is just still working through your book. She's been working through it for many months because it's just really impacted and been speaking to her. She said, ask her how she managed to write a book with children <laughs> and doing all the things. So, uh, so have you got some little pearls from the book for women that could really speak into their life in that season and in that struggle? I have some pearls from another book and it's called the Bible. <laughs> oh, very good. I've heard it's a good um, one. <laughs> it's a good one. I highly recommend it. Definitely my top five. Um, in Revelation three, I wrote this down because it's um, so powerful. The Lord says through scripture, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Mm. And what that just says to me is this idea that the Lord has a plan that cannot be thwarted by any kind of virus. It cannot be stopped by a season of life. 
it's not even stalled. Mm -hmm. Like it's his plan all along that we are where we are, when we are doing what we're doing and he's using it all for good. It's part of this story. It's not going to be our favorite chapter, but it's like the necessary chapter for the next thing in our life. And when it's time for that, the door will open and nothing on this earth will be able to close it. And we will walk through it and God will use us and he will make happen what he intended from the beginning of our existence to make happen through our yes to him. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that because there have been so many, and I talk about this in the book, so many seasons in my own life where I felt so small, so hidden, so insignificant. And honestly, I was, Mm -hmm. but those are the seasons like beneath the soil where the roots are growing, where the foundation is being laid, where the work is beginning that is Mm -hmm. so necessary. Yeah. So these painful pruding seasons are like the richest, most fruitful seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so get ready for the harvest. Like if you mm-hmm. find yourself there, that's a sign that God is beginning a great work. And um, the more that we kind of lean in and surrender, like St. Elizabeth did when she had to wait. I mean, she knew that God was calling her to that and everything in her existence was closed to it. Mm-hmm. Um but she didn't give up hope. She really gave it to Our Lady. Okay. I think Our Lady is really the answer to like mm-hmm. surrendering to God in these seasons. Absolutely. Um, and Mary, this was also one of the chapters in the book was about um, the wedding feast at Cana and this whole idea of timing, mm. right? Like it really was Our Lady who set the public ministry of Jesus in motion. He tells her it's not my time. And in effect, she's like, oh yes, it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the fact that at the finding in the temple, he's ready. And she's like, no, 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 we're going to go home. Mm -hmm. So she's really the one who seems to set things in motion or to hold off on things. And so if we give her our vocation, she will open the door when it's Mm. time and then nothing will be able to, to close it. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that. No, I absolutely. And I, you know, like just during these times, you know, I feel like the church, the world is so much, there's so much uncertainty and anxiety in, in people's hearts. And there's a real call and a move for people to pray fast and just return to, to praying to Our Lady, to placing everything under her mantle. And I think that really is is key during this season at the moment. I know that we've just returned in a bigger way to praying the rosary and and just placing everything under her mantle of protection. But I think very much so. And you touched on this idea of vocation and, and I love this area in your book where you really look at the sanctification that's happening in our vocation. Because I think, and you touch on this, and I know it's true in my life, that sometimes we despise the days of small beginnings, so the Bible says, and we struggle with being insignificant or being small or not doing or not using our gifts or not knowing what step to take next. But there's something really sacred, as you said, about that season of not knowing and that season of understanding that God's still at work in when it seems that he's not he's still working he's still powerful and it's those seasons where we have to lean in to discover what it is what is the gift that he wants to give us in this season whether that's suffering or uncertainty or 
being at home with young children and seemingly not doing anything significant in the eyes of the world, but really the significance of what we're doing at home is cannot be, you know, there's just no words for that. That. And I love where you talk about this sanctification of vocation. I've got a quote here where you talk about how we might look for signs in the stars, of parting, you know, the clouds parting, streaming light, illuminating a brilliant way to paradise. But more likely, our path is made of breadcrumbs and fingerprints, pointing the way to heaven in the smudges of peanut butter. <laughs> and I just, I love that. My sister has little, little kids, and she really loved that. I think she might have yeah. written that and put it somewhere. <laughs> but you really emphasize the importance of being small and the unseen things that we do for God and how He honors these things. And that's really, it's in those small yeses that we're sanctified and and that's you know our vocation really isn't it yes and I I would say there's like two things I'd like to highlight about that um first of all those small things are infinite Mm. in value right when they are united to Christ and when we talk and sometimes they're not even small things I mean what you were just describing with this season of just oppressive loneliness and just, um, not being able to even leave your home. And I mean, look at what the potential that that sacrifice that we hold in our hands, if we give that back to God, like we have within our power in this, in this, um, season of uncertainty and despair and darkness and loneliness, if we wrapped that all up in sacrifice and gave it back up to God, like, I feel like we could deliver the earth from so much that is you know, oppressing us right now. It's mm. just this great p- potential. It's like dynamite right, waiting to go off, heavenly dynamite or something. Um, but even in the small things, those are just infinite mm. in their ability to sanctify the world. Yeah. Like just to uh, unite it to Christ and offer it up. So there is nothing small. Certainly in motherhood, we hold like the future of the church and the world within our homes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, to God, I think it is the most sacred, sacred hidden work. Mm. In addition to that, I also, and I know this is um, part of your heart too, Karen, is to believe that we all have been called for a greater purpose, Mm. that the church and the world is waiting for something that only we can bring to it. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be on a stage or even a street corner, like um, in front of people. Mm-hmm. but that we all have been gifted with something that the world desperately needs because we all reflect the love of Christ in a very unique and powerful way. And in those seasons where the ministering is primarily to those closest to us mm-hmm. and it feels like we'll never have anything to give anybody else, the beautiful, what I've come to appreciate is that the beautiful paradox is that through your death to yourself, Mm. and your dreams in these seasons there is a always a resurrection which is greater and more powerful and when you die to yourself suddenly god is able to work it's like you get out of the way and then he takes over and he's like now let me in and i'm going to show you who you really are Mm. and i'm going to empower you with my holy spirit and we're going to do something amazing together but like you had to go through that And we all will at some point in our life, whether it's 
caring for children or caring for elderly parents or losing our job or, you know, a struggle in a relationship or financial or whatever. God loves us too much Mm -hmm. not to kind of give us the opportunity to die to ourselves, so that he can step in and do something greater and mightier and more powerful than we could ever have imagined. Mm -hmm. And we discover who we are through that self-death. It's just amazing. Like we, I just can't even wrap my mind around it sometimes, but. I know there's it, so many paradoxes, aren't there? Like in the gospel, lose yourself, find yourself. Let, give you know, up be everything, persecuted, gain everything. Gain everything. Yeah. It's like, what? Yes. <laughs> it's just, and it's, only until you've lived through it, can you say, amen, hallelujah. I can testify to absolutely. that. Absolutely. And the yes. Lord wants you to testify to what he's done in your life. Absolutely. I feel this season of life for us is very much a Job season. We've we've had a lot of loss across lots of different areas over the past 12 months. And there's just a, a call to press in like never before to the Lord. And I'm finding that all these other things sort of fall away to the point where he is really all I want. There's that leaning in because you realize that he's all you have really ultimately. At the end of the day, your relationship with Christ is all we have. And so to choose that every day. But as you were speaking, I recall another season in our life after we were married, we tried to start a family for six years. That didn't happen for us. And the Sisters of Life prayed and then we had three kids in three years. (laughs) So we said, please stop praying now. (laughs) But um, that season of infertility was very hard. And, and as you talk, and even in this season that I'm in right now, I'm often referencing that season, you know, so many years ago, was just that total breaking of myself. And, and I felt, because I had endometriosis and celiac disease and a few other things, so I think the issue was with my body. But after six years, I did reach the point where not only did I feel like my body was a failure that that I was a failure as a person and it was a very damaging mindset and the Lord really had to strip me and bring me to my knees in this area of identity where I could actually receive his identity as his beloved regardless of whether I bore biological children and and the revelation that I had incredible value regardless of my capacity to bear children or to do anything And I remember in that season, a priest giving me a scripture from Hosea where it said, I will lead her into the desert and there I will speak tenderly to her. And I think so much of our lives, you know, in whatever seasons they come, like you said, it will happen to everybody. We will all walk into that desert where we feel alone, we feel abandoned, where we experience loss and we're trying to make sense of life and who we are. But I, but what you've done in, in this is really reorient and elevate and refocus us on that relationship with Christ, that that is the ultimate. And just to keep our eyes really focused on him and also the revelation that the Trinity lives within us Mm. and so that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So how are we, even in the midst of the difficult seasons of our life, how are we bearing Christ to those that we're called to do life with? So I just, yeah, it's a be- oh. there's so many beautiful themes. I think we could do like a million podcasts just on your oh, book. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, really quick though, just to go back to what you were saying about that arid time and like mm. going into the desert. Um, I just completed, as I said, this program in spiritual theology, which was so rich. And I had to have an undergraduate degree in theology, but it was more 
you know, ecclesiology, Christology, but, you know, the sacraments, moral theology. And I never, until I was, you know, an adult, you know, more recently, did I dive into the real spiritual theology of the church. Yes. Like I said, that's how I encountered Elizabeth and her writings. But one of the themes that our saints talk about in their spiritual writings, right? St. Teresa of Avila, St. Mm. John of the Cross is this necessity for these dark nights mm. and the reality that we can't even progress in the spiritual life until yes. we've reached our own limits. Mm. And really what the dark night is, is you encountering your own limitation. Mm. I mean, to the point where you feel like you have nothing left. You've reached the end of yourself. Mm. And then God can step in and say, okay, now that we've established. Who's <laughs> in control. It's not about you at all, right? <laughs> and your absolute need for me, which is a beautiful thing, mm. you know, and um, you're what Elizabeth of the Trinity would call your abyss of nothingness, mm. which is not supposed to be something like discouraging or depressing, but like the reality of this infinite capacity that we have for God. So think mm -hmm. of it not as like this nothingness in the sense of like, it's negative, a bad thing, negativity, yes, right? But it's, right. A, it's the, it's a capacity. It's this infinite capacity that we have to receive. Once we realize our nothingness, then suddenly God has something to pour himself into. Absolutely. And so in the, in spiritual theology, like you can't even progress into the stages of prayer that these saints talk about until you've gone through that. So if you recognize yourself in that season, it's like, <laughs> really? Well, okay. Um, <laughs> but that speaking of that interior space, right? This, mm -hmm. the space in our soul that I think we don't, St. Catherine of Siena said, you know, create a cell in your heart and never leave it. And you were talking about that idea of like a cloister within, mm. which is so Carmelite and Elizabeth yes. love telling, you know, in her letters, talking about this place of encounter yeah. that we, when we were baptized, we became temples of the father, son, and Holy spirit. And apart from mortal sin, like they will never leave us. Like their presence there remains. And so we become a dwelling place for the Trinity, but how often do we even remember that? Mm -hmm. How often do we go through life and the Lord is as close as like our soul yeah. and we don't even recall. No. And so just the saints, you know, this idea that um, wherever you are, you can be united to Christ and to the Holy mm -hmm. Trinity and to live in union with him, which is the beginning of heaven, yes. which is what we were created for, what we will find in its fullness, but not something that we have to wait for. Mm -hmm. Our heaven really begins now. If, if heaven is union with God, if you've been baptized, yes. your eternity has begun even mm -hmm. now. And that's such a paradigm shift, isn't it? Like to really shift your mind towards that and reorient your mind, it's immensely powerful. Because you just, then everything you do is coming from that place. It transforms how you're interacting with your husband and your children when they're driving you bananas <laughs> with work and all the pressures, the person at the checkout who's depressed and miserable. It just changes and transforms the way that you engage with life, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. Mm. I just came from a conference um, and it was beautiful, but it was like a lot of people, a lot of activity. Um, I'm an introvert. So these things are like okay. overwhelming for me. And, um, but 
when I was able to remember that I was not ever alone, that Christ, like it wasn't, it wasn't me at this conference. It was us. It was like me with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, every person I was interacting with and engaging with, it was like us, you know, engaging with this person. It was us listening to this talk. There was this internal dialogue. Like, what do you want me to hear from this speaker, Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want me to say to this person? What do you want me to pray for during our holy hour? And just this ongoing conversation that becomes like second nature and suddenly you're never alone anymore. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I, it tied in, you know, the Desert Fathers, I think you mentioned those, but, you know, the Desert Fathers would withdraw to that lonely place physically to pray. But what you're highlighting here and what you're saying about being at that conference is that we can just withdraw wherever we are in the midst of the noise and the busyness. We can just come back to ourselves and the Lord within us and practice that recollection so that we are carrying him with us. I think that's immensely powerful. There's a beautiful quote in your book, if you don't mind me reading it back to you. (laughs) Do do you know your book off by heart? (laughs) I had to read it out loud because um, we recorded an audio version, which isn't out uh. yet soon, soon, hopefully. But, and as I was reading it, I was like, oh, did I write that? This is good. I don't even remember <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll read you this quote because I, this is one I've actually printed off. Um, talk, talking about this recollection and, and practicing recollection in the midst of busyness. But you say the noise of the world might be invitations and opportunities to practice self-mastery and recollection, to keep our centre in Christ, even as the noise beckons us away from him and closer to the edge of self-indulgence. Practicing recollection is one of the key ways to holiness in a world that would love to claim us for itself and that leaves shiny things everywhere to lead us away from the path of God. For me, that that is a brilliant quote right there, just to remember that there's so many distractions and to start to see life through this lens of invitations that, that God is giving to us every day. So the child who won't get dressed and won't get ready, won't put their things away, instead of seeing that as an obstacle and incredible irritation, to see it as an invitation. And again, that paradigm shift to the husband who, you know, might be difficult and the communication's not flowing freely, instead of seeing him as an obstacle to personal happiness, perhaps there's an invitation there to lean in to get to know him and to offer the love of Christ rather than wanting him to change. So there's just, I love that paradigm shift of the invitations, seeing things and difficulties as invitations rather than obstacles. Yeah, I, I think it's such this powerful idea of the present moment. Yeah. That's- and the fact that, um, you know, Fulton Sheen said that the devil will tempt us to the past or to the future. Yes. So when we find ourselves living in regret or, you know, what ifs or resentment or yeah. grief, or we find ourselves daydreaming about what we wish would happen or fears or anxieties more likely, you know, about what's, what could possibly happen. None of that is from God. Mm-mm. Now there's a time to plan and there's a time to revisit, you know, areas that need healing certainly with God. 
-hmm. But when we're like not in the present moment, um, I mean, that's where he is. Mm -hmm. He's in the present moment. He's in whatever's happening at the moment. You know that that's what you're supposed to be attending to. Yeah. And so it's so freeing. It's so releasing. So when that child is crying, like that is God's will for you at that moment. You don't have to guess at it. Yeah. That's his will. And like how much of our life do we spend wondering what God wants us to do? And so often it's like right in front of us. And I think it goes back to that verse in, in um, revelation, like the Lord says, I know your deeds. I see it all right. I know you have little strength and yet I'm going to place that door before you at when the time is right. You just have, you don't have to worry about what it's going to look like or when it's going to appear. You just do the next right thing with love and trust me with the rest Mm-hmm. And it'll all be fine, but you just mm-hmm. have to be obedient to the present moment. Yes. And there's a real sacramental nature in the present moment too. I think, you know, it, it's one of the best ways that we can guard against anxiety, but it takes a lot of discipline. It, it's definitely not easy to do, but it's developing a mindset and, and a discipline to just bring ourselves back. And that's that recollection that you talk about is just coming back to Christ within us in the present moment because that's where his grace is. Father Jacques Philippe is big on that. The grace is just for the present. Grace isn't in the past or in the future, but it's here. My husband often says to me, he's quoting the Our Father, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Like God gives us grace for today. And, and so whatever season that we're in or whatever challenges we're facing, there is grace to face that. But our, oh. our challenge and, and our task and invitation is to to practice recollection, coming back to Christ within us so that we can engage in that invitation. And receive the grace. Absolutely. Like, you know, God will give us the grace, but if we're not even there, how That's do we right. receive the grace to respond in love to what he gives us? And I mean, you're so right about give us this day. It's not like give us bread for the next 10 years. Uh, you know, it's give us what we need today, which is so hard for us because we just want to have our storehouse all set and we just want to <laughs> yeah. plan for the future. Um, and there's a, there's certainly value in, in to that. But um, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, this idea that, we'll get the grace that we need when we need it. Mm -hmm. So often people with, you know, one or two children will say to me, I don't know how you have six kids. I couldn't do it. And I'll say, well, you haven't been given the grace for six children. I didn't have the grace for six children when I had one. Mm -hmm. I was given the grace with the child for that child, for no other child, but mine. And it's specific to them. And I don't have graces for what God has not called me to. That's mm. also like a key that if we can learn discernment yes. with that in mind, when we're finding ourselves operating outside of God's will, we shouldn't be surprised when things fall apart. Mm. But when we're operating in his will and we say yes to something, we're not even quite sure how we're going to do it. And then suddenly like writing the book, right? I don't know how I'm going to do this. This doesn't make any sense trying to write a book when I have kids at home trying to get on my computer to do their classwork and, and, and COVID board and COVID and <laughs> goodness or sake. trying to order my groceries quickly before somebody else buys, you know, the last pound of ground beef or whatever. Uh. Um, it doesn't make sense. And yet God comes through. And then other times in my life, I have tried to make something happen. 
I have really wanted it. I have willed it and I'm determined it's going to work and I'll, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to make this thing work. It doesn't work because it wasn't within his will. I don't have the grace for it. Other things in my life start to fill up, to fall apart. And you're like, wait, clearly the Lord isn't in this. Clearly this was me, you know, trying to push my own agenda. Yeah. 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 I love that. And it's just, I think there's a lot of this flow, isn't there? When we're abiding in him and we're responding to his, you know, his, the inspirations of the Holy spirit, there tends to be a flow. So it's the next right step. Yes. Not without struggle, but yet. Mm. But there's a grace. Yeah, there's there's a grace. Like Mm. everything kind of works out. That's right. You know, and everything's taken care of. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Now, look, I'm just, I'm conscious of time, but the other thing I would just love you to touch on is speaking into this area of gifts and women, I guess, discovering their gifts, discovering what they're called to. Edith Stein beautifully looks at the three layers of vocation. She talks about, we have a universal vocation. Everyone has a vocation to love, like universally men and women. Uh, Then we have a primary vocation and that's how we live that call to love out, whether that's through religious life, married life, the single life. But the third layer is really around this area of individual or personal vocation. So every single one of us has been called by God. We have a mission and a purpose over our lives and he has given us unique gifts, skills, talents, strengths to fulfill that mission and purpose. Obviously for women, I think so often women fall into this trap of comparison where they're measuring their gifts against another person's. And a lot of the Genius Project is really around resourcing and supporting women Mm -hmm. to discover their unique genius, to discover what it is that God has placed within them, but not only discover it, but then to activate that, how then they can step out. And so I just love you because in your one of those chapters, you really dive into this area of personal vocation and, and giftedness. And I guess any closing thoughts that you might have for women around this idea of really embracing, discovering and cultivating their unique gifts. Because I I find in my life when I'm, you know, operating and and now in my late 40s, there's a greater peace than what there was in my late teens or early 20s to be who I actually am. I think that's just a evolution of maturity right where we come to deeper peace about who we are and what we're doing but I think so many women really do struggle with wondering what their gifts are especially if they've been raising children for many years they're like well what do I have to offer in the eyes of the world maybe they're not being productive or successful but I'm just wondering if you can speak into that based on I guess what Saint Elizabeth was saying in her her writings around embracing our unique call and giftedness Okay. I just love that for so many reasons. Uh, <laughs> it's a good all, topic, it's right? A great topic. It's a passion of mine um, as well. Also my next book, which I'm under contract for is on St. E. Stein. Oh, and, I love it. And I'm giving a talk um, in November um, and in another state um, to, uh, for a marriage conference. And I'm going to talk about the idea of even though, not even though, but be within the married vocation, you never lose your own call. That's right. Um, in fact, it will be magnified through your obedience to your state in life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which again, there's that paradox. Like if I die to myself, it seems like I'm dying to my dreams. God wants us to surrender to our state in life and, you know, to, to give of ourselves completely. And yet that seed that he, you know, placed within us when he, when he created us never, never leaves. But yeah. anyway, um, like where to begin? I think <laughs> I will say this, I will say this, and I think that it really relates to Elizabeth's message. One reason that you and I know more about who we are and feel confident in the gifts God has given us now in our 40s than we did in our 20s is because we have grown closer to God Mm -hmm. through the valleys, through the highs and lows, through the purifications, through the yes, but most of all through prayer. Mm -hmm. And when you say yes to God and you even begin a practice of prayer, that's even five or 10 minutes a day, but you show up day in and day out and you open yourself to him. The beautiful thing is that the closer you get to God, the more you see yourself reflected in his eyes Mm -hmm. and he reveals you to yourself, but it cannot happen apart from him and it cannot happen apart from prayer. And so it's just this delightful dance of like, you die to yourself, you draw near to God and he gives you back to yourself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I feel like until you've experienced it, it might right. sound just like a bit, what, what's going on. Yeah. So <laughs> no, just absolutely. to pray, just to draw near to God in prayer and you'll discover yourself in the process. Absolutely. And I think it's just that faithfulness, isn't it? In the small things. So if, if we're faithful in the small things, we're entrusted with bigger things. And, and so that obedience, like you said, like I, I think often say to women, if you don't know what to do with your life, just practice the, the small things, be obedient to the small things. We often say with our kids, you know, make your bed every day, develop good habits, put the blinds up, put your hot water bottles out in the morning. There's all these little steps. So once you've been obedient in the small things, God does entrust you with, with the bigger things. Yes. And, and a lot of times it starts out small. Like for me, it was the Lord saying, I want you to write one post. I didn't even have a blog at the time. Okay. I was like, you want me to what? (laughs) And I had sworn I would never start a blog. This was way back. I was like, who's got time for that? I will never do that. And the Lord was like, well, Actually about that. Actually, no, <laughs> you will eat your words. So just like writing one thing, not knowing why, but knowing that he was calling me, mm-hmm. you know, that one small, yes, sign up for one class, yes. write one article, just be obedient yeah. and let him take care of the rest. I didn't have to have it all figured out. Yes. I just and had I, to do yeah. that next thing. And that's a trap, isn't it, for so many, just wanting to know how it's all going to work now, but he doesn't doesn't work like that. Many Darn years ago, I know, I know. So <laughs> uh, somehow you get to a place where you're okay with that eventually. And yes. I mean, there's still that struggle. I remember many years ago we lived and worked in a boys' boarding school and I had a real heart, this is 20-something years ago, for women's ministry and, and young women. And Jonathan, my husband, gave me this quote, and it's from Abraham Lincoln, I will study and prepare myself and perhaps my time will come. And so all those years, all those years ago, I just studied and then we went to the John Paul II Institute and studied there where I specialised in feminine genius. And, 
and it's just been step by step and I think it is about just being faithful in the small things, taking the next step, but importantly taking some kind of action. So I think, you know, that St. Joan of Arc quote, act and God will act, that even though we might not know where it's all heading, we often can discern through action. So he he reveals his will when we're acting. So if we're sitting back waiting for a fax from heaven, well, he just doesn't work like that. It's never going to happen. But it's taking the next right step. And not being afraid to step out, this idea of massive imperfect action, as long as, you know, we're doing that under the gaze of the Holy Spirit, then if it's really not what the Lord wants, he makes that pretty clear. Yes. How can we discern if we don't give, if we have nothing to work with? We can't, we pray and then we act and then we discern. That's right. And then we pray and then we act and then we discern. Mm -hmm. And if we make a mistake, we pray and, you know, we just we just have to have trust in God and be, and that is another point to the idea of like having the inner cell, living a life that's recollected, living a life that's prayerful. How can you hear when God is prompting you to do that next small thing? If you're never listening to him, you know, we can say all the rosaries and we can do all the novenas and do all the things and we can, and I speak from experience, never stop to actually listen, never maintain that stillness so that when that whisper comes and it's often a whisper, we actually hear it so that we can obey it. It's easy to talk about like surrendering and following the will of God, but like, how do we even know what that is if we're never silent with him? Mm -hmm. Um, Amen. But I, I completely agree. And the greatest blessings of my life have just come from the smallest yeses. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Claire. That's a beautiful interview. We might have to get you back on discernment because I know that's a passion of yours too, isn't it? <laughs> I'm taking, in fact, do you know who Father Timothy Gallagher is? Yes. yes. Oh, I'm taking a class. Oh, are you? Not in person, but like a five-day um, intensive class on teaching discernment at oh. the end of the summer. I'm so excited. Well, maybe you could come back on and share your pearls of wisdom. Okay. That'd be great. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Claire. She truly is a special soul and I feel so blessed to have connected with her and we will definitely have her back on the podcast for other topics. Our heart here at The Genius Project is to really resource you in the area that you find yourself, in your sphere of influence. So I'd just like to invite you that if you have a topic that you would like addressed or if you have somebody that you think would be a great guest on the podcast, please drop me an email at karen at geniusproject.co. Once again, if you are interested in any of the resources that we have on offer here, please visit the website www.geniusproject.co, particularly the Catholic Women's Masterclass. We are closing the doors on our third group next week. So if you haven't and you want to, please get in touch. If you like what you're hearing on the Genius Podcast, please share the link with your friends and also go onto the podcast app and leave a review. The other thing I'd love to invite you to is our private Facebook group for Catholic women. This is where we are growing a community of Catholic women who resource and support one another on this journey of growth and life. And finally, we've kicked off a YouTube channel so you can go on and actually watch the interview with Claire Dwyer online at the Genius Project YouTube channel. So go and check that out. 
On next week's podcast, we're going to be diving into this beautiful topic of the many seasons of a woman's life and how we can live that season with grace. So I look forward to you joining us next week. Have a beautiful week and God bless you.